Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to yet again another fantastic indie creator interview. It's your Cape Your Code, and we're keeping it geekly with our new guest, Dave Cook. We're here to break down Killtopia, volume one through five, and everything in between. Welcome to the stream, Dave. How are you doing, man? Hey, yeah, I'm good. Uh, yeah, hello from Scotland. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. <laughs> I've spent all of today actually making up packages for Killtopia 5's Kickstarter for when it ships from 9.30 until literally before starting this cast. <laughs> oh so my I've been, goodness. Uh, been busy doing all that. Yeah, I was but about to ask. Uh, we are, we're coming at, right off, hot off the press from uh, the Kickstarter uh, for Volume 5. How'd that end up going for you? Yeah, really well. Like I, I, I sort of knew, you know, without being sort of egotistical, but I knew that like, just because I've been doing Kickstarter since 2014 and I knew that like, I know that a lot of people are like repeat customers, like people will keep coming back for the other ones. So um, I, I was always confident that we would get Killtopia 5 funded, but we got a record uh, amount on that. I think we were over, we were almost at 26K on that um, in pounds. Um, I think it was like about just over a thousand backers. Um so yeah, it was really cool. Um, I, I was kind of blown away by it, you know. And you know, I, I think a lot of people were sending me messages over Twitter and stuff at the time, saying, "Can't believe this is the last one." I'm really sad about it. And I'm like, "Well, <laughs> um, you know, that's how you know, right? Thing? That's <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's how you know you got something good. And maybe, maybe you need to do something uh, that comes off of that, right? <laughs> I'm always thinking about ways to sort of expand it, you know, because we kind of. My whole philosophy when I was writing Killtopia was like the, the world itself of Neo Tokyo had to feel like a character in its own right. You know, it had mm -hmm. to feel like a kind of lived in place with like all these little different areas and bits of the society. And it's so ripe, I think, for like offshoots and spinoffs and things like that. So, um, yeah, I'm always thinking about kind of what we can do next with it. I love that. So, I mean, previous history, we have you down for Ninja, Baseball, Spirits, Bus, Deadliner, and of course that video game history book we were talking. Like, how did you get involved with this? You have such an awesome history, uh, an awesome, you know, line of books behind you. You know, where did it all begin for you? Yeah, it sort of began, I mean, I've, al I've always been interested in writing, even since like my, uh, what we call primary school here. So that's like anything up to like, I think, um, age 10, I think, or 12 um, here in the UK. Um, and I was never like a maths guy in in school. I hated it. And I, I was more, I always considered myself more of a words guy, like numbers and stuff. That I don't care. I just want to write and make stuff, mm -hmm. you know. But my biggest dream when I was in school, even like high school, was like, I want to be a video game journalist because I was mad on games. You know, I, I loved it. And that's what I eventually ended up doing in like 2010, 2009, uh, 2000, sorry, 2010, 2009, around about that sort of time. I, I sort of became a writer for hire then i got a full-time gig working in england um, as a games journalist um and it just sort of came from there you know i, I even now i'm more influenced in my comics from video games than other comics if that makes sense you know like mm -hmm. um i'm always seeing things that i thought oh that would be a cool idea maybe with a little spin on it um but it just came from basically i, I used to work for like a gaming website that's called vg247 i was like their deputy editor and um okay yeah i am um, it was a very quick, like rapid fire news website with like short articles and the news cycle goes so fast, you know, online. And I was like, oh, I want to write something that actually lasts. So I tried writing a novel that failed. It's terrible. I still have the final draft of it. Um, I, long story short, I wasn't good at describing things like characters and places and sensations and atmospheres in the room and stuff like that. Um, so I thought, I'm just going to get an artist to draw these things instead of me describing them. So <laughs> the comics came from sheer laziness. Um, but, you know, um, that's how Bust got started. That was my very first series. And um, 
I did the first one on Kickstarter back in 2014, really early days for Kickstarter, you know. Um, it made just over a grand. Um, and then people were like, hey, when's the next one coming? And for me, it was always a one shot, right? It was never meant to be a career. Or, um, and that just like this light bulb went off. I'm like, oh, yeah, I could do more. And just keep on going the fan you base. You could do more than just one of these? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure if it was going to take. You know, I, I thought, just I just wanted to do it for me, you know, like to say I'd done it. And then I did my very first Comic Con um, in Glasgow, which is like 40 minutes down the road from where I am in Edinburgh. And um, I shared like half a table with a friend, you know, I sort of like crashed on their table and just kind of like had my one book. And it was, yeah, loads of people got in touch after and said, hey, like, this is cool. When are you going to do some more or what? That's so cool. Like, so it really is like, you know, I really appreciate like kind of people getting in touch with me and a lot of the people were my friends already, but they just say, oh, you should maybe think about doing more of these and they kind of helped me get the confidence to do it, I guess. But, and then many years later, here we are. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, when you said uh, you had trouble, you know, describing the room when I was reading Killtopia, I was just so taken back by how like full the world is. Like I, I spent it almost like is an injustice to read through it once you have to read through it multiple times just to really fully soak in just how like lived in this world is like the, the attention to detail and there's like all these character designs you know we have the cyberpunk influences uh it's just they're they're just so out of this world i mean it's 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 out it's outrageous almost you said you had that failed novel just because you couldn't describe like how's this relationship work between you and the artist at killtopia well i suppose like i suppose the the I just got better at it. I actually decided to, because <laughs> yeah. I think I think the comic writing process actually forced me to get better at it, right? Mm -hmm. Because people who don't know comics, right, they ask me, how do I write them? And I know that you'll know this, but it kind of amazes me that whenever I say you kind of need to write like a director, right? You need to say this angle, we're looking at the, the panel from this angle or this perspective, the characters are in these poses and this is the kind of atmosphere in the room. This is what's happening in the background. You know, like all the all this descriptive stuff. So those early comics just forced me to get better at it. And from there, I think it just I just it just grew and grew. But again, for me, yeah, like the world of Neo Tokyo in Kotopia had to feel like a character. And we didn't want to do, you know, like at the time, we're talking back in 2020, I think we started this one 2015, 2016. Initially, the, the idea started to take shape. But back then, we, we said early on, me and the artist Craig, we, we said, like, we don't want this to be like the stereotypical cyberpunk. So noir, trench coats, rain against neon signs and stuff like that. So let's just go nuts with and invert the color palette and just make it all vivid and crazy yes. and psychedelic. And, and it just I think that's what gave it its identity. And we always said, you know, let's make this first issue, you know, Killtopia 1. Let's make this as if it's our only chance to ever pitch anything ever again um so we put so much time and effort into it and the publisher eventually bhp they came to us instead of us pitching to them which is wild so um they saw how the kickstarter did and they were like yeah let's talk <laughs> uh, you know so it's just it's just thinking back on how it all happened it's just wild to me still just how it all some of it's luck some of it's hard work mm -hmm. you know it's a mix of both uh, you never speaking know speaking of how know? that kickstarter did i mean 110 000 pounds like that is insane for uh, you know across five uh, different kickstarters for this like shoo you you are like a kickstarter whiz at this point right <laughs> yeah i've written i've written an ebook guide for it on gumroad um uh it's free like it's a 2021 edition so kickstarter's changed some things about how it works since then but um yeah there's a link to it like on my uh link tree on my profile on my twitter profile 
Um, it's totally free, so you can check it out. But I think a big part of it comes from, I used to, um, so when I left games journalism, uh, around the same time I started writing comics, I moved back to Scotland. Um, and yeah, I, I got a job in digital marketing and content marketing. And I started to really figure out kind of how, you just how the marketing dark arts kind of work, you know, like mm -hmm. um, search engine optimization, writing campaign pages that are quick and punchy and just really get the point across quick and paid ads on Facebook and things like that. Although they're not that good anymore. I don't use them anymore. They've kind of fallen off. But um, yeah, just all these little tips. It's just a matter of how all these experiences and all this like work experience I've had is just coalesced into comics. It's just, and really helped me sort of uh, push the boat out and make it bigger. It's, it's wild, you know? Um, I was going to say it was like a perfect fit when the digital marketing, like that is like the perfect job for doing this. A lot of people don't realize like, you know, making comics is like a two bit thing. You create the comic, then you have to market the comic. And that yeah. marketing is almost just as important as creating the comic as it feels. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, it's funny how many, <clears throat> you know, to use that old term, how many hats comic people yeah. wear, not even <laughs> just writers. I mean, every, everyone involved in the process has to do all these different roles, you know? So for me, it's like, as the writer, um, it's, you know, finding the artist, paying, making sure everyone gets paid their, their, their going rate. Where do the, where does the money come from? You know, shipping, marketing, uh, you know, all, everything. Um, it can be, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, it can be a bit much sometimes, but I think post Killtopia, I'm going to start maybe move, not moving away from Kickstarter entirely, but trying to pitch more, you know, to try and take that burden off of me and put on to someone else. Uh, um, cause it's, yeah, it's Killtopia has been going for like five years, maybe well, over if you count how long it took us to actually produce the first book and mm -hmm. make the work. So I think it's time to maybe put, take the foot off the gas for a little bit, but, um, this is addictive, so I'll probably not do that. <laughs> I could totally get that too. Like once you start and once you like start killing it, it's like, I can't stop. Like, this is like fire. I got to keep pouring gasoline on this and every page of this is so gorgeous. It feels like I could rip it out and put enlarge it as a poster on the wall. Can we talk about the creative team involved? I mean, this book is gorgeous. Yeah, so the, the, the original creative team was myself and Craig Payton. He's uh, my friend from Glasgow. Um, he stopped working on the book after the second one, um, but he's still kind of involved. He does like guest print for us, guest prints for us and things like that. And he um, does the comic cons and circuit as well, things like that. So um yeah, so me and Craig just met. I think it was through a friend's recommendation. And it just so happened. Oh, no, actually, tell a lie. He did the covers for Bust 1 to 3. That's how we met. Um, I, somebody recommended him for Bust. And those covers are really hyper-realistic looking. They look nothing like Hiltopia. So we got talking about this idea. And he was like, oh, yeah, actually, my, primar my primary art style is like the fine lines, the Jeff Darrow, Mobius, that sort of. You know, Frank quietly, all that kind of thing. And I'm like, it's so different from the covers he did for Bust. But he was like, sent me some samples. And straight away, we were like, yeah, this this is it. You nailed it. Um, but the current team is Clark Bint on art and Lou Ashworth on colors with Micah Myers on lettering. Um, I just found Clark just through a sort of open, you know, uh, classified on Twitter. Like, hey, I'm looking for a new Kiltopia artist. Craig's stepping, to step, stepping aside from the project. Um, he sent me some samples and again, I was just like, yep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we work, I mean, right now the current team, we work well, so, so well together. It's kind of like, I'm not precious about my scripts, you know, like I don't think any writer should be within reason, you know, if the artist comes in and completely changes everything, so it's nothing like what you wrote in the script, then I think you should have a conversation about that. But when it comes to Clark, he always says, Hey, 
um, this panel here, I think this would look better. Here's like a, a lo-fi thumbnail. And I'm like, every time he nails it, I'm like, yeah, you've, you've made my script so much better. So please do what, do whatever you want. <laughs> um, but I think over the, the last three issues, three issues, me and Clark just have so much trust for each other. And now on the issue five, he's just like, I was thinking about this. I'm like, I don't need to see it. Just do it. I know it's going to just be. do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <You know>. um, <laughs> Everything yeah, is so intricate so well with, too. Like, PHP as well, like our publisher, they're kind of like a, a bit like image in that, like, um, we fund everything on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. They do all the distribution, all the all the other stuff. But they get us into like comic stores and uh, and also they're quite big on the book festival circuit. So they're really getting into like proper literature festivals. So not comic cons, but actual novelists and things like that. Where, where certainly in the UK you're seeing a lot of crossover now. They're wanting more comic book presence there. Um, so for example, I'm speaking at um, there's a big festival here in Edinburgh called the Fringe every year biggest event in the in scotland every year mm-hmm. and um, they also run a book festival which is again traditionally just novels but they asked them um, if i could do a speaker panel about kiltopia and what oh. and sell the new book there and stuff so it's just like quite good uh, you know working with bhp to get that new audience that maybe mm-hmm. weren't aware kind of how good quality comics are now well they always have been but i think there was always this perception they weren't real books but that's um certainly in scotland that's definitely changing now um so that yeah, they're, so they're really good publisher to work with. That's so remarkable. Congratulations. I'm so excited about this. Uh, I, I, you know, we're going to talk about this getting turned into an animated plot as well. But before we do that, you know, give us a little bit about what Killtopia is. I mean, we talked a little bit about what went into it, but I mean, this is one hell of a read. Uh, give us a little taste of the world. Yeah, so Killtopia takes place in Neo-Tokyo uh, in some nondescript future. Um, but it's not like hard sci-fi. It's definitely grimy cyberpunk. Um Final Fantasy VII was a big influence. So the world of Neo-Tokyo has that kind of lived-in feel. It's kind of fallen apart at the seams, mm-hmm. pollution, stuff like that. But um, one day, 10 years before the first issue even begins, uh, Neo-Tokyo was uh, invaded by killer robots that are called Mecha. And these Mecha terrorize the city. Um, they, they basically nest in this part, part of the city called Sector K. And rather than fix the problem in Sector K, the Japanese government rebrands it as Kiltopia and invites anyone from around the world to come to Neo-Tokyo to hunt the mechs for fame, money, and fortune, like a blood sport. Um, but unknown to the government at the time, the mechs are giving off these nanomachines that are killing everyone slowly on the planet. Uh, it basically creates a disease called the rot, uh, which is uncurable. And it's created this kind of like weird sort of, it was actually kind of a reflection on the American healthcare system and the UK because our government's trying to turn our free healthcare system into a paid one. And that's terrifying because yeah. we've never <laughs> had a paid system here. Right. So that's actually what triggered the whole Kiltopia idea was everyone's dying in Neo Tokyo of this disease. People will do desperate things to get enough money to buy meds to like ease their pain or cure their, um, you know, ease the pain of their loved ones. And our main character is a rookie mech hunter called Shinji who uh, hunts in the Kiltopia hunting grounds. He fights mechs with janky technology, like he's not very well trained, Mm -hmm. kind of a a loser. Um, But he risks his life to hunt mechs to get uh, money for his sister's uh, medical care because she has the rot. Then he meets this mech called Crash, who has, um, he's sentient. He um, has also has the cure for the rot inside his system. So the two of them team up together to heal the planet, while every other bounty hunter, Yakuza gang, ninja assassin android killer you name it are trying to kill them and get the big bounty on their heads um 
so yeah, loads of loads of uh, inspirations from Akira to Battle Royale, uh, video game wise. It's things like No More Heroes, Bayonetta, uh, Bayonetta mostly for the tone, that kind of brash like fu kind of tone that mm-hmm. everyone has. Um, and yeah, so that that's it. It's kind of just um, starts off like that, you know, this quest to cure the plant of this disease, um, but turns into something much much bigger. So yeah. I love all the designs in there. I, I could have sworn I seen a nod to Ash from Pokemon, and I think Volume Two, the dude's wearing like a blue vest with like a hat, like it's a red cap. Um, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, there's so many Easter eggs in there, and and a lot of them have been added in without me even knowing it. So I'll find things <laughs> later. Like, oh my god! So the, the fun fun thing about uh, fun fact about that character, yeah, Ash was a big inspiration, but his hat says Bogard on it, and it's a tribute mm-hmm. to uh, Fatal Fury. Um, okay, Terry Bogard. Um, so it's kind of a mashup of Ash and him together. It's kind of weird, but yeah, oh, there's so many references to the things I love in there. Um, I'm trying to think too, uh, and I might be off on this. Uh, King Kaiju, his uh, mech suit. It's it's awesome. I love the designs. I love like the little smile in the middle, like the little like the the tags on the suit itself. It's it's awesome. I I just love everything about this book. All these designs. Like, is that a collaboration between you and the artist? Did you have an idea of how you wanted these things to look beforehand? Like, how did this work? Yeah, so all the character look and feel, those kind of like major like character traits and stuff are all kind of me, but, um, you know, there's iteration as well, you know, like speaking with the artist, you get some designs back, you tweak some things, so definitely a collaborative process, but I think it kind of, these weird things just pop into my my brain for some reason, I don't know why, (laughs) because I thought like, because initially King Kaiju was supposed to be a lot more like janky looking, a lot more kind of goblin-like, like missing teeth because he's basically mm-hmm. being forced fed cola that has like battle enhancing nano machines in it through t- tubes and stuff um but we kind of make him made him look a little bit more um less disgusting because <laughs> he was supposed to be like really horrible before but um yeah and i think yeah i mean a lot of it does come from video games as well again like i'm such a big gamer um, and originally uh, the character of blaze uh the hacker like mm-hmm. shinji's ex-girlfriend she wears this like uh augmented glove it was supposed to be originally like a Nintendo Power Glove, but oh, dude. <laughs> Nintendo are like so litigious. I know it's so silly. They probably would never have seen it, but we just thought, let's not do that. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's, Nintendo's the one that you don't want to mess with. Nintendo and Disney, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm trying to think of other examples. I mean, like there's so many characters in there that like, I mean, like Stiletto, Stiletto originally, my, my elevator pitch for her was like cyberpunk Catwoman because initially she was going to be Shinji's love interest like way back in an early draft there was so she was going to be an anti-hero and they kind of they kind of were opposing each other but they also kind of liked each other mm-hmm. and i thought nah that's kind of cliche so that that kind of changed and she became more of like the embodiment of like corporate greed and like uh, influencer like egotism and cult fan base followings and stuff like that um you know like the, the big extremes of all that stuff right um, and I thought, okay, that's a much better place for her to go on like a hero's kind of journey and sort of now at Killtopia 5, she's completely the inverse now. She's fighting for the people. She's not bothered about money anymore. She's just trying to do the right thing and make amends for her bad past mm-hmm. and whatnot. So um, I will say as well, like from, I, I, wrote, I wrote all these scripts issue to issue. I knew kind of, I already knew the ending. I think every writer, when you come up with a new comic story, definitely think of the ending straight away because it gives you that, north star to kind of point towards um but the meat of each issue yeah i sort of wrote issue to issue and so many things changed throughout <laughs> i was going to have a big battle scene on on a, a bullet train at one point which isn't isn't in the series 
where everyone was wearing like uh, magnetic boots, boots to like stand on it while it's hurting. Dude, yes. Oh man, yeah. that's so cool. I might bring it back in like another side project, maybe, but um, it just didn't fit. You know, I had to like mm-hmm. cut my losses and just say, "This is a cool idea, but it doesn't actually serve the story at this point." So I just got rid of it. Um, and there's a lot of other ideas that are kind of in my sidebar, I guess, that I can maybe use in future. But um, it was definitely an evolving thing. Um, and not everyone I worked with on it has definitely been like so instrumental to it. So yeah, I can't thank them enough for you know taking this journey with me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So everyone that is watching, we're gonna drop two links. So let's go ahead. This is a link to Dave's Substack where you can stay up to date with what he's doing. This also counts as you said a store for you as well. So there's a store link in there. It links to my big cartel, but you'll find links to like all my uh, non Kiltopia books and my Kiltopia books and my video game books are in there too. So yeah. And uh, that Substack's free as well. Um, there is a paid tier, but that's like for comic tutorials and uh, deeper dives and stuff. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, what, what do those comic tutorials look like? You know, just people interested in beginning on writing and stuff, or you know, what sort of tools can people look forward to? Oh yeah. So so I do one a month. I've done. Um, you know, the first one I think was writing effective panel descriptions. So you know, making them basically really good, a really good brief for your artist, you know, describing things properly, not putting too much clutter or too much dialogue in to obscure the art and kind of rules of thumb, like um, the 180 rule, right? When the perspective flips, making sure everything's kind of, you know, consistent and whatnot. Uh, the second one was writing characters. So how I, just my process, how I made like the Killtopia characters and whatnot. And the third one, you know, I've actually forgotten what it was. That's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're on there and it's basically just like, yeah, my experiences since 2014 to present day, I guess, what I've learned, how, I, how I've, my style has evolved and whatnot. So, yeah, they're all on there. And this is an award-winning series, so it's not like just anyone just writing this. I mean, this is coming from a, a man who knows what he's doing. And then right here is the link to the BHP store where you can buy all these books that we're talking about today as well. So let me drop that in all the chats. So, I mean, speaking of an award-winning series, uh, this is also in production to be in an animated plot. Congratulations on that. How did that happen? So, it's the funniest thing, right? So, back in 2019, I got an email from this guy called Charles, and in my just slid into my Instagram DMs, was like, hey, I want to talk about, you know, uh, you know, like, potentially, like, licensing Kiltopia for TV. Mm-hmm. And you, the first your first thought is, yeah, right, okay. Because you get a lot of stuff like that on Instagram, like, hey, do you want to do a collab? And it's all just kind of bots and stuff right so i didn't think anything of it and then he got in touch again like he found my email just through my socials and stuff it was like hey i don't know if you probably didn't see my instagram message but um and i was like oh yeah this is real right oh yeah this is getting ah, real okay. <laughs> yeah so i told my publisher and yeah we we got talking and the, the studio is called voltaku they're um they're a startup in la so they're made up of people who've worked on things like disney video games like people who've worked on like battlefield stuff like that um, so it's all being done re- in real-time motion capture in Unreal Engine. Um, oh, that's so cool. Because they're a startup, they're still really early. Like, it's going to take longer than I think shows will usually take to get to, like, pilot stage just because they're still so early. They're building their company. They're staffing up. They're working on their tech. But, um, you know, they're kind of – they send me, like, little clips and stuff. And oh. it's so cool because it's basically, like, people in motion capture suits – rigged up to unreal engine avatars of all the characters and they, they look amazing acting in real time even down like the, the mouse and the facial movements is all accurate it's really uncanny um 
but yeah, their their plan is to do like um, yeah a series one, and I guess see what happens from there, dude. Um, so there's no time frame yet, but um, because just because yeah, they're just building their studio. COVID really set things back by a lot of time. I mean, nothing really happened during COVID just because nobody really wanted to change jobs during COVID or start a new company during COVID, that kind of thing. I guess so. Um, yeah, but it's happening and it's been worked on right now, and it's just kind of still mind blowing. <laughs> Yeah, congratulations. Um, that so is yeah. that's big, man. That's big. So, what happens? Like, do they do you retain the rights to the series, or like, and if that's a question you don't want to answer, feel free to skip over that. Oh no, totally, because it's part of the like uh, the deal with BHP, because because they're kind of like Image. Like, I keep all the rights to everything. Ooh, perfect. Um, so, perfect. I, I guess we're kind of um, I, for anyone that doesn't know how this kind of thing works, um, the initial deal before the series actually gets made is called an option. So, a studio will sign an option with a comic writer that basically says we have exclusive rights to make this and so nobody else can make their own adaptation of it just gives them time to like come up with the idea work on a pilot that kind of thing without anyone else like beating them to the punch kind of thing um but throughout all that process you know i'm going to keep all the rights and and all that and early on actually when they were sort of working on things like storyboards and like uh, the character and this because it's all done on virtual sets as well you know like they'll make like almost like a video game looking environment in unreal and that's your set and the characters walk around in it and it's there and it's really mind-blowing but um they got in touch with me and said you know okay shinji what's his character like what's his personality like um they had read the comics of course you know but they wanted just to hear it from me like that's so asking cool, all these questions you know how would he act in this situation how would he respond to this um and the world right so um the first set they built was um, the Heap, which is, I think you see it in, in Kiltopia 1. Mm -hmm. It's like the sort of a downtrodden uh, district, which is kind of full of, it's kind of like the slums, I guess. Uh, there's a whole splash page, you might remember it, where it's like viewed from like a top-down angle, and it's like this big cityscape, and Shinji and Crash are like walking down it. Mm -hmm. So that's what they built. They built the Heap with all these little market stalls and like sort of scrapyard kind of look, and um, they asked me, what does this place feel like? You know, what's the atmosphere? And it's cool to be kind of included in all that, you know, and uh, me and Craig, because uh, we both came up with, I guess, you know, we worked on issue one and two. We're like exec producers on the show, so we'll get like a oh, lot of credit dude. and stuff, which is like... That's so cool. Matt, and I know. How do you feel? Um, like, this has to be like a dream, right? Oh, yeah, totally, because it's... I'm, I'm always of the mind that, like, I don't... I don't think anyone should ever do this, get into comics, right? Never expect that these things mm -hmm. will happen just if it does happen just treat it like a massive bonus it's like <laughs> yeah. and that's how it still feels it still feels like and my friends always tell me like well you guys earned it like don't be so humped you, you be humble but don't be like oh what why is you know why is it why is this happening said, well because you worked hard on the book and the book's good like shut up <laughs> um, so i need my friends to give me that pep talk from time to time because i'm i'm notoriously bad for being down on my own work like all mm -hmm. the time even now going back to killtopia one there's things i would have changed but I'm getting better at just letting it go, you know. It's done. It's a print. I can't change yeah. it. It's you know, whatever. Yeah, you know, I wanted uh, I wanted to ask that question because with the series being so good, I mean, there has to be more to it. I mean, are you doing anything else after you know Volume Five with uh, this world? So I guess, I guess like immediately, um, we were going to do the Omnibus like early next year, but we thought, nah, you know, let let issue five breathe for a bit, and we'll maybe do it like towards the end of next year because five will have just come out people can buy the, the whole series anyway but the omnibus will have like you know bonus bits and like extras and stuff like that um i'm very very slowly working on an anthology as well i was supposed to have started like the submission process now but um i, I just i'm too busy i sort of thought right 
be sensible, push it back. So I think that might be the first Kickstarter I do next year, but um, watch watch this space. But um, all of the creators are sort of locked in. We've got like loads of great people signed up for it already. Um, we just don't have their stories yet, and I'm not ready to be bombarded with like stories mm-hmm. and art. I just, yeah, I need, I need some time off before I do that. Um, but yeah, so I am working on a sequel to Hilltopia. That that's out there already. Kind of, I haven't shouted about it too loudly, but I have named like dropped it in here and there. But uh, total sequel, uh, totally different cast apart from one character who's returning, but I won't spoil who because some people die in five. I can definitely Ooh, say that. I'm not okay. See um, people are going to be annoyed at me, I think, after reading five. But um, the so the new cast um, are basically cops working in Neo Tokyo. Um, we did the kind of hackers, the sort of grungy like slum people from the slums, the sort of underdogs. Now we're looking at the cops. It's set five years later after the events of Killtopia Five, and the events of Killtopia Five are directly directly influence what happens in the sequel. I won't say what, of course, but um, mm-hmm. some stuff goes down. Um, and the main, this main character from the original arc is now like a cop for hire. So think of Uber for cops, right? Because <laughs> here in the UK, and, and it's everywhere, but um, you know, I can only speak from my own sort of local experience. But here in the UK, like the gig economy is really bad. Like it's getting, you know, I, I hear from like my friends who have kids who are kind of like thinking about their first jobs and stuff, and they're like you know zero hour contract you know gig economy it's like really hard work for not that great pay it's like but it's tough you know you know what you know it's hard to get work out there and so i thought you know i'm going to do something around that and so that's that's why the main character is like a rent a cop so they get speedy bonuses if they catch the perp quickly they lose money if they kill the perp by accident you know they're always like on call that kind of thing um but basically the main plot is the villain is a hacker who can infiltrate people's brains and make them see their worst fears or actually control them like puppets. Um, so the, the the cops and our main character have to like go on the case and basically bring this serial killer down. I love it. Um, a lot of it is also inspired by me like turning 40 in August, which I know is not old, but again, just from speaking to my friends, you know, my friends are, you know, I've got so many friends who are also turning 40 this year or next year. <laughs> and it's not. It's not old, right? It's not old in the grand scheme of things. And I, I'm not worried about. That. I'm turning 34 in August. I mean, come on, that's six years. Don't don't give put me in a midlife yeah, crisis yeah, yeah. now. <laughs> no, I mean like 40. I, I guess it's just like I think I think of my parents when they were 40, and I thought they they felt so much older than I do now, when I was a kid, right? Um, but a lot of Kiltopia, you know, speaking with my friends, we were kind of talking, you know, just joking around, like talking, like, oh, what would you, anything you would have done different, you know, how you, how different might your life have been if you did these different things. So the main character in Kiltopia, um, they they are just a small side character in the main arc, but I don't mind telling you, in the sequel, they used to be a wrecker, but they've retired. Um, so now they're sort of thinking about, oh, what if I'd stuck with that? Well, I, I, could, I could have been the next stiletto. I could have been like a big influencer right now, but I actually chose this other path of the law. And now I'm, you know, I'm kind of earning crap pay. I'm trying to raise my family on like no money. And they start to get really resentful of their life and their family and like where they end up. Is it them thinking that or have their, has their brain also been hacked to make them turn into a really terrible person? Uh... So it becomes almost like a horror thing where they start to see vivid images of like their family dead. And then they look down and see a knife in their own hand and they think, oh my God, have I snapped and like killed them? Because I'm so resentful of this family life. Then they come to and they realize that they've actually just been hacked and they're like, oh my God. So they're, 
it becomes almost like a horror where you don't quite know what you're seeing is right or if it's real or if they're being manipulated um so it's kind of preying on your fears and fears of getting old and so there's all this kind of thing but that, that's oh all God, I'll say killing for now, your but, kid um, like that is savage too like this th this sounds like a, a, shoot like a psychological yeah. horror almost right mm -hmm. like Oh my god, I love it. I never, this I've never awesome. seen a cyberpunk horror before, so I thought, yeah, that's what, and immediately it was like straight away, I'm like, that's what it's going to be. And it actually starts off with a really messed up scene involving a giant uh, a giant uh, baby that's melting and trying to eat people. <laughs> um, I'll just say that. Um, I'll t I can tell you the name of it, actually. So it's called Killtopia Phantoms. Ooh. And that, that will be hopefully a five-part series as well. But again, like it's so early, such early days. I've finished the script for one. I'm working on two so it could be longer it might be shorter i'm still kind of working out the in-between bits before the ending but um yeah i'm really happy about it it's kind of cool to get back into the world and um i'm speaking with like artists and stuff to see who wants to get on board with it so yeah it might be a while yet but um just know that it's been worked on so yeah <laughs> Real quick for everyone that is watching, let's drop that link to the Substack. If you're watching, it's free to subscribe. It's free to also drop this on Twitter and Facebook, anywhere you can. If you have a friend who's doing any sort of writing, any sort of comic book creation, uh, they would love this link. So give them this link, send it to them, make sure they subscribe. Once again, it's 100% free, so you have nothing to lose. Dave, what's next for you in 2023? I know we talked a little bit. Fulfillment, I mean, going through hundreds of fulfillments. Congratulations on that. Always an awesome number to hit, but I'm sure it takes a little bit of time <laughs> to get through. But outside of that, I mean, any new series that you might be working on? Yeah, so, um, well, my current series, BPM and Ninja Baseball Spirits, uh, will continue. So next year, we'll have issue three. Uh, uh, so issue three of BPM, which is my kind of beat-em-up, side-scrolling beat-em-up comic. Issue two of Ninja Baseball Spirits will drop next year as well. And the final issue of Bust, which is issue five, will drop as well. That's actually my first series from 2014 that's taken this long to finish it. Um, I won't go into why, just lots of life stuff got on the got Is it way, bittersweet, but... though, finally uh, having it come to its conclusion? Or was Killtopia the the, the more bittersweet uh, experience? Oh, they, they both are, because I put, put so much time into them, you know, like so much mm -hmm. effort, and I've made friends through these comics, right? And to sort of close the book on them is kind of sad. I am working on a brand new series as well, which me and, uh, so there's an artist called Laura Helsby. And I've seen great. you're interacting on Twitter, yes, yes. <laughs> we're, we're, be, we're being kind of coy about it. We're not, we're not trying to give away too much, but also kind of get people sort of slowly hyped about it. Um, we're going to try and pitch that first and foremost. We're going to shoot for the moon and go for like big publishers with it. And if it doesn't work out, you know, we'll go down, you know, like the Kickstarter route or something. Um, I can't tell you the name of it yet, but it's basically set in 1987 um, around the height of, um, so, you know, parental advisory, right? Those stickers mm -hmm. that are on albums, right? So they, they started in 1985, but 1987 is when they really started to like appear and like, the controversy really kind of started around like rap and stuff like that and heavy metal, you know, parents getting worried about satanic references and yeah. <laughs> metal. Kind of like in Stranger Things, right? You know, Eddie, like, you know, the witch hunt kind of stuff. That was real though. That really happened. You know, like um, people were getting, you know, people were burning stuff that they thought was like corrupting their kids, like horror movies, things like that. Um, there was crimes like, like murder, like really dark, like stuff like murders that happened where like the kids were like, Oh yeah, I watched this horror movie and this metal. I listened to this metal and it just sounded cool. And it's like, mm -hmm. what? Um, so the whole th that's the kind of backdrop. But it takes place in like a midwestern town in the states, and um, it's about a punk band that are just like kind of trapped in this cruddy town. There's no good venues to play. They're never going to make it big, but they really want it. Um, 
that's all I can tell you because there is a big massive twist right in the last sequence that Ooh. turns the whole thing on its head but it kind of came from me like being in bands back in the day like I mentioned before like the the stream you know I love metal I played in loads of bands before being being a vocalist being a bassist and um I was that dumb kid once who thought we're gonna make it big one day and we were terrible right so it's like it was never gonna happen these delusions of kind of like success and stuff but mm -hmm. You know, and the band in the comic is terrible as well. But they think, oh, you know, this band's our only shot at getting out of this cruddy time. But they're they're terrible. <laughs> it's like, um, so that's kind of like coming to terms with kind of what you've got and being happy about who you are and where you are and what you've got in life and things like that. But uh, there's a lot of like gig stuff in there, like setting up on stage, you know, playing like dingy mold mold ridden like jam rooms and stuff like that it's kind of gnarly but um, that was like one of the best experiences though i, I was in also one of those yeah. uh you know crappy bands growing up and like i mean i played venues and everything but when you're in a house show and you have people like jumping off backs into the ceiling and breaking apart walls it is such a badass experience and you're just even if your band sucks you're just like Bleh! and they're just like killing each other and you're like yes this is what it's about like dude it and their oh, art yeah. is so phenomenal i cannot wait to see you two in in, in collaboration this is going to be going super sane for you it feels I, I hope so because like me and laura are just like we just like clicked it was weird because um we just got talking like over Twitter just about metal and punk and stuff, right? Because we have the same kind of music taste. And then I was like, I just had, I, I, the thing is, I don't know where most of my ideas come from. They always come when I'm trying to sleep, I'm in the shower or I'm on the treadmill. When my brain's <laughs> supposed to be thinking of nothing else apart from running, getting clean or sleeping. It just popped in there and I was like, oh yeah, like a metal comic. That would be cool. Um, I just like basically told Laura the base premise and, and they were like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, it's funny because like when, when I was in like bands back in the day, we actually got some pretty good support slots, but then like, and we thought, oh, this could be it. Then very quickly we realized it's not the life for us. We need jobs. We need money. We need like, mm -hmm. it just wasn't viable. So you kind of come crashing down to earth and that kind of happens in the comic as well. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I guess like you might see it next year. Hopefully you will. Um, it just depends what happens with the pitching and stuff, right? Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just being careful not to spoil anything, so I'll, I'll shut up about it. <laughs> I make it easy. I make it easy. I'm very deceiving yeah. with my questions. I, I you know, we'll, we'll back it up though. So, Dave, we have two things I like to talk about before we end the show, and that is a little bit of advice, and then what you're consuming outside of creating. So, for anyone out there looking to do a Kickstarter for the first time, as someone who's ran, you know, multiple successful ones, what would be just one piece of advice you would offer them to kind of help them get started on that journey? Wow, I mean, I mean, I'll try not to give too many because, like, I could, I could go on about it. Well, well, feel, feel free. Um, what we'll do is we'll link that uh, ebook in the description too. So for anyone who is looking to check out Dave's thoughts on it, you can read the book as well. Uh, you said that was for free. Yeah, it's on Gumroad. It's a free ebook. Um, I, I'll get the link shortly, but it's basically it's a 2021 edition, so it's everything I've learned about crowdfunding from 20, 2014 up to 2021. Um, it needs to be updated though because some things have changed in that space you know um, but yeah it's just literally everything from setting up your campaign marketing it even through fulfillment and shipping most of the shipping stuff is exclusive to the UK because we have different rules here but um, there's definitely things like setting you know setting good postage rates you know mm -hmm. go to your local post office with something that's about the right weight about the right size of what you're going to be sending out and just say give me the price for this thing in every conceivable country and that will give you like a decent amount to actually charge because I always get stung for being, you know, undercharging for delivery just because Killtopia takes six months from the Kickstarter to coming out. The price always goes up midway through that six months, <laughs> like clockwork. And 
So right now I probably don't have enough money to cover it all, but we're quite savvy in that I started a business account for my Kickstarter. So everything we don't spend, I don't take, like I never take profit from my campaigns because I know I'm going to be doing other comics anyway. So that all just goes into this big account. And if I don't have to pay my own money from my own job to pay for comics, that's fine. I'm, that, I'll, that, I'll take that as a win. So, you know, be, be sensible about charging, you know, so charge a decent amount for, you know, the actual tier itself, you know, work out, you know, comfortably, like, what is this worth, you know? So Kiltopia, I think for the, the book on its own, we charge £10 with a free print because mm-hmm. um, it is like anywhere from like 50 to 65 pages, an issue, right? It's bigger, it's, you know, a bit bigger, but um, so definitely charge, charge sensibly for your tiers. Also charge sensibly for postage and don't worry about, you know, people going, oh, that postage is too much and not backing you at all. You you don't you basically you don't want to be stung with like thousands of like unpaid shipping costs by under lowballing people. That's so much worse than one or two people going. That's too expensive. I'm out. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just promote it as soon and as advanced as possible. Because I I get you know I'm sure every every Kickstarter creator gets this where mid campaign you'll get people getting in touch and hey do you want to do a, like a link swap? You know you promote mine I'll promote yours, which I always do because I used to be that guy. So I completely yeah. appreciate. It. I never find it <laughs> annoying. Um, but um, a lot of the time they say, "Oh, my Kickstarter just went live today, and it's not working." You know, and it's it, it, you know, no one's backing it. And I'm like, "How how much promotion have you done?" And they're like, "Oh, not much." So I'm like, "Well, you know, that that's kind of key. You need to let mm-hmm. people know when it's coming, the date. You know, have that locked in." Um, and the other thing, like I say to people, you know, when they're making a Kickstarter page, um, just copy my Kiltopia template because I have perfected that over ever since my first campaign i've moved things around i've changed the layouts and this is the one that i copy and paste for every single campaign i do because it's very quick it's the cover what is this am i gonna like it what is it also what is it like mm-hmm. i also have a section like if i if you like these things you'll also like Kiltopia, akira blade runner right and these are things that people can latch on to like oh yeah i like that thing i'm gonna keep reading you know it's this, this little mind trick you can use marketing again um just for something something relatable that people can connect to. Yeah. Don't be dishonest, because I've backed comics before that said, oh, it's like Watchmen mixed with this, and I get the comic, I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> not I even close. Like I've, been <laughs> I've been suckered here. So don't do that, or you're going to lose backers for the next issue. They won't come back. You know, um, We get to the point, you know, what is this about? Why should I get it? And then you can get into the nitty-gritty stuff after mm-hmm. that, you know? Um, but yeah, anyone watching who's going to run a Kickstarter, steal my templates, I don't care. I tell everyone to do it. I don't mind because that's why I wrote the book, you know, because I'm one of these people who's like, I've had help coming up as well, right? I, I've mm-hmm. my very first comic, I didn't know what I was doing. I never made a comic before, and I didn't at the time didn't read a lot of comics either. I just was like, I can do this, whatever, cool, naively. <laughs> um, but you know, I spoke, I met a lot of people here in Scotland who also did comics. I went to local co- comic cons and got some advice on scripts and how to apply for comic cons, how to do this and that, printers. Um, so I'm very happy to answer any questions anyone has because I was that guy asking the questions, right? It's, it's only fair to give it back. Yeah. It's a wealth of knowledge you just gave. And I really appreciate that. I think kind of really making sure you're not shooting yourself in the foot with shipping is huge. You know, go digital, you know, if you, if you have to, you know, give them the digital option, but you know, one or two people over costing yourself thousands of dollars, that could essentially bankrupt your idea, right? That could put you so far in the hole that you can't come back from it. So planning yeah. ahead definitely seems key. David, uh, 
What, what, what are you consuming outside of creating video games? I know we were just talking. We're both, after this interview, going to be jumping into this bad boy. But, I mean, <laughs> you know, video games, books, TV shows, you know, what, what are you consuming? Wow, I've got so, a lot. <laughs> um, I to, again, again, purely for, like, ideas and stuff. Like, I like to just watch and read and, you know, all that. Just to, because you never know what's going to spark the next idea, right? Um, so right now I'm big on succession. I'm really digging the new season. Um, I'm not ready for it to end. I'm kind of sad that it's <laughs> ending, but love that. I love, just love the writing in that and the characters and just the way people talk in it is just like, so I don't know, distinct. Um, so I'm playing, I'm playing Zelda after this, of course, but, um, I'm also playing the final fantasy six remaster. The oh, Pixel me too, remaster. dude. Me too. Oh, yeah. I just it's got great, to, um, I just got to, what is it? Uh, after you jump down the waterfall, you have uh, Scion and Shadow with you, and then Sh or Shadow dips before you jump into the waterfall, and then you get, yeah. is it Guy? Yes, yeah. You throw the dry meat and you capture him. So I just got there. Literally, it was like four in the morning. I sent you the link to this chat, and then I ended the stream. I was, and I always, like, that's my game that I kind of unwind with, because it's, like, such a fun game. Oh, yeah, like, um, have you played it before? Because I don't want to oh, yeah. spoil yeah, yeah. it. Oh, yeah, 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 yep. I'm, I'm just about to do the really bad bit on the floating island. You know mm -hmm. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where everything changes. Um, you know, so. I love that game because the villain actually did what they set out to do. They won. That was one of the very few games where the villain won. And yeah. it was such a mind blown when it happened. I remember the first time playing it. I was like 10 years old. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then the roster wow. of characters too. You could play as so many different characters. The Yeti, uh, the the um, the the one that like cross dress it like uh, whatever character you wanted, it'll change into them. Like, dude, so many awesome characters there too. I got um, I just got the little uh, what's his name? I forget his name. Like the the old guy with the he's like he can learn other people's attacks and stuff. Yes, and he's got yes. his little daughter. Uh, I totally the, forgot they were in the it, game. It, I... She's an artist too. She'll draw. Yeah, right? yeah, she's yeah. Her sketch, yep. I totally forgot they were in the game because I haven't played it since it came out on PlayStation 1. I played like the re release on PS1. Back oh, the, the anthology? Like, uh, the, not the, the anthology. It... Not, yeah, like the standalone one though. Yeah. And um, so I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about these guys. Like, so it kind of feels new to me again. I don't know. It's weird. But so I'm playing that. What am I reading? I'm reading. Um, I just finished a comic called Golden Rage that came out on Image. Okay. Um, have you heard of it? It's really. Uh, I, I don't think I've had the chance to check it out, but I, I'm pretty sure I've heard of it. It's a really interesting premise. I won't give too much away, but basically, it, it exists in a, it's kind of like Battle Royale, which is great for me because Battle Royale also in, inspired Kiltopia, right? Um, when lady, when women get too old and they get to the menopause, they're considered no longer useful to society. So they all get cast away on this island where they basically converge into tribes and kill each other for survival that and sounds it's like, so brutal <laughs> it's really dark um but actually ha it has this really uplifting kind of message towards the end it's like because i was like where's this going this is nuts um but yeah I, I recommend that on image um what else am i reading i'm reading some books i'm reading a uh, bob bob odenkirk's uh, autobiography i'm okay. starting that with, yeah uh, he, he was in scotland actually uh two weeks ago doing a speaker tour talking about his career and promoting the book and stuff and we didn't realize me and my wife, we got free copies of it with our ticket. And we were like, oh, cool. So I'm going to start that this weekend because I, I love his stuff, you know, Better Call Saul, yeah, yeah. Breaking Bad, Mr. Show, stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, and loads of other stuff. Too many things. I'm, I'm like a pinball machine. I'm absorbing so much stuff at once. 
Man, Final yeah. Fantasy VI, though. I, I just, it's just like that and Final Fantasy IX. Like, Final Fantasy VII is my, one of my favorite games because that was the last game I played before my father passed. I got a big stand, a cloud stand-up right there. The action figures on the wall that cost like 100 from Japan. But like, nine and six, just the stories in those were just so phenomenal. I heard we we're supposed yeah. to get a Final Fantasy IX remaster. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, that, that would, would be, be phenomenal. Awesome. Because that has yeah. like that steampunk uh, vibe to it, you know? And I think they really killed it with that. Oh, they really like all the airships and all the like, yeah, yeah. The, the the steam technology, big cogs and stuff, ter- like powering the cities and stuff. It's fantastic. I've got a sixteen on pre-order as well, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I I, I kind of like ter- turn-based stuff, but I also am a big hack and slash guy. Like I love Bayonetta, and it was the guy apparently who directed the combat in Devil May Cry Five. Is did the combat in this? Okay, and I love that game. So I'm like, yeah, bring it on. Like, I'm I'm well up for that. You're so, on the Switch. Did you check out Xenoblade uh, Chronicles at all? Uh, the second one, not the third one, but the second one. Yeah, it was second cool. one's really good too, though. I, yeah. So yeah. man, we we could talk video games all day long. <laughs> let me wrap it up. Let me let because I got we gotta dive into this still. So guys, with that being said, it is time for us to wrap up. Check out those links. Subscribe to Dave Substack. You have nothing to lose. Hope you all have a fantastic Friday. But most importantly, guys, keep it geekly.